Hi, this is Julie Fudge-Smith, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. This is part two of episode 120 on kids, dogs, moms, and life in general. So we hope that you enjoyed the first part, and now here's the second. So, Well, I mean, that's what self-regulation is about, Mm -hmm. really, is sitting... I, I can remember, like, I, I had a situation with one foster son who was lovely that he was, he, he came and he told on himself about something, which by the way, if any children are listening to this podcast, tell on yourself, like your consequences are way better. Um, <laughs> when you tell on yourself, like, cause it's like, it's a parent's kryptonite. Like you can't really be the same level of frustrated and angry when your kid's like, Hey, so I totally screwed this up. But I can remember sitting with him and he was so distraught and so worried about how, what was going to happen and how we were going to fix it and all that stuff. And then the big crocodile tears, he's like, and, and what's my punishment going to be? And I was like, oh, sweet boy, you're in it, right? Like this that you've got going on right now, like, yeah, there's not yeah. more punishment than that. Like genuinely feeling cruddy for the bad decision, you know, the decision you made that got you sideways is the point. You know, there's nothing I'm going to do to you. (laughs) You did it yourself. Like, congratulations. I'm so proud of you. Yes. I'm not going to pile on. Self-punishment is, it can probably. And then I was like, and then when he started to finally giggle, because I do tend to then like at an appropriate time, make it a little bit lighter and silly to go, oh, I'm glad that's over. What about you? Are you glad that's over? Cause that's, I'm glad that's over. Right. Like we're not, we're not still going to be like, I'm not going to lord this over your little seven year old head for the rest of your life. Like nobody, if somebody's keeping score, you best avoid that individual. Like I'm not keeping score. Okay. And I think it's important not to keep score with your dog too. Dogs make mistakes. They move on very quickly. Dogs are amazing at this. You know, this is the the three second rule. We have moved on. So, so you guys, what's the difference between keeping score and watching for patterns? Oh, well, I would say the judgment piece. Right. Right. So I'm going to observe and go, huh, we're struggling with that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, Oh, Oh, there's a miss. There is a misunderstanding of what the definition of no means. Oh, that, and that honestly, like that, that's magic. Like that's like, once you go, oh, I think no means no, not right now. You think no means argue. (laughs) Well, no wonder we're having a fuss. That's silly. So we're just going to like, how do I teach that then? So the dog who's, who's superstitious, who thinks if I don't, jump around in circles barking to get my dog food bowl placed on the floor. Well, it's the same thing. The The dog has attached a meaning that, mm-hmm. that we, uh, they, we unintentionally built. And I go, Oh, we just have the, that's not what we're doing. That's so silly. Like we just need to redefine what we're doing. Um, and so I, I mean, maybe my brain is different, but that that's, the, and and honestly, I do it in all sorts of relationships. It's not just kids and dogs. Yeah, the other 
adults too. Absolutely. Right. I think you begin to look for, okay, this happened and I keep it in my head. And it's like, if I don't see it again, then it's a one-off, right? If I'm starting to see something similar to it, then I'm like, okay, this is becoming a pattern or behavior that is problematic. Maybe we need to address it. So it, that's, I think there's a difference between keeping it in mind and lording it over somebody. I'm not using it to punish the child or the dog. What I'm doing is I'm using it to to see if this is something that is developing into a pattern that needs to be addressed. So I will anticipate it. Yeah. To, to be fair, the more stress I'm under, the more fatigue, mm-hmm. the greater the chances that that observation will switch into kind of keeping score. Right. 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 And and my experience is the same thing happens when I'm monitoring frustration of kids or or dogs. Right. The the dog, it's like that moment where you go, holy crud, my dog thinks that I'm actually trying to make his life harder. <laughs> it's like, dude, no, like, we just need, like, we just need to sort this out. So sometimes the answer that I chose in an attempt to adjust some sort of pattern that's occurring didn't actually get to the root, like, maybe we're closer but it didn't get to the root of what actually we had going on. I guessed wrong, right? Like I made an educated guess, but I guessed incorrectly. And so it wasn't solving exactly the thing that I thought was at the root. And I own that with kids constantly. I own it with customers too. I'm like, okay, so this is what, this was the problem that it presented. This is what we tried. I think we've done a really good job with that. And yet we're still getting this. So let's pull that apart again. Cause we, I missed something like I let you down. So let's go back and see, cause I make mistakes all the time. Right. I'm very good at it. Repair that, that repairing. Yeah. Piece. Right. Yeah. Right. And that, and that, that's part of the modeling. It's really good when you make a mistake, when you, with your clients and show them, okay, we tried this. This is not where right. we need to go. And, and and plan B, plan C, getting that sense of plan A, plan B, plan C is also really important for kids to know that if not A, then B. Right. And 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 we have we have multiple things in the back of our head that we can go to. Right. Well, I think this has been a really interesting discussion. And I think what it points out is that the way in which you choose to interact with somebody, there has to be a certain level of of positivity. But there, more than anything else, it has to be authenticity. You have to have authenticity in your relationships. You have to be willing to be authentic and honest with who you are and who they are. And if you are willing to do that, then you can really begin to see solutions to behavior problems. So I think honesty, authenticity, and a willingness to, to, to sort of start with the basics and move from there. Let's take care of, are you hungry, angry, lonely, tired? If we take care of those four things first and the problem still persists, then we go deeper. To, to start simple, move out, be authentic, be honest, admit your mistakes, and be willing to to engage honestly with the problem, I think is, is the solution or is the, the, perhaps the best approach for both kids and dogs. So Sarah, when I'm working with a family with kids and dogs, one of the things that I often do is pull down kind of the, the typical developmental track of a child Mm 
Mm-hmm. And then we compare and contrast that with the developmental state and the sensitivities and strengths and needs of that dog yeah. so that we can predict where things might go really great. Like here's something we're, like this is magic. We could totally do this and where we might want to um, manage differently. So I'm going to give the example of what the variety of stages that kids go through kicking, right? It's a normal developmental stage. I typically am talking to parents about let's get a giant Pilates ball and teach the dog to nose boop the Pilates ball, right? Mm -hmm. With you, the adult, right? And then meanwhile, we're teaching the child to kick the Pilates ball because we want those neurological connections to happen. And in times when things are pretty good, let's have the child kicking the giant Pilates ball to the dog, the dog nose booping it back with us right there to avoid the aberrant kick to the head. Although the Pilates ball generally blocks that pretty well. But also when the child is getting tired, frustrated, hungry, out of sorts, um, like let's get the dog because the likelihood of a kick is going to be pretty good, right? Like we know developmentally that's where that child's headed to express Mm -hmm. their frustration. So let's use that to get the dog out of the situation so that we're avoiding that conflict. And, you know, of course, wear shin guards yourself. So <laughs> so I'm like, here, let's kick the garbage out of that Pilates ball. That'll make us all feel better, right? Or jump on our mini tramp. But the I'm, I have found in my practice that doing that seems to help families. Oh, um, yeah. And we usually look one developmental stage ahead and one developmental stage behind because some kids don't read the manual. <laughs> Would you say like for the moms and the dads and the dog trainers out there that that's a decent way to approach it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really wise way to approach it because it brings you into reality about what's possible. And I also when children are developing, they 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 live in a window of development. They and at, at when they are, you know, when 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 they're maxed out, they go to the lower parts of the developmental stage. And when they're at, at maximum, uh, I can, I can, the world is my oyster. I can handle this. They go up and they, they push themselves into the next developmental stage a little bit and they experiment with that. So they, 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 they go back and forth. And so looking at three developmental levels at any one time is, is absolutely realistic. So are we seeing, you can't. Are we seeing those change? Like, are yeah. we seeing where kids are developmentally? Is it different than it was 15 years ago? Well, I, interesting you ask. I'm um, doing a, a, lib- a, a literature search to find out. I'm wondering. Oh, I so we're going to have to have you back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's changing. I think. I think there are certain things that you just can't push. There's a hierarchy of how things develop in the body and brain that are just going to be what what is. And there are certain things that with stimulation, specific stimulation, you can push the window a little bit. Uh, and it can happen a little earlier. Um, it's interesting because I'm seeing, and maybe... Maybe it's that um, it's just the group I'm seeing, right? 
mm-hmm. I'm seeing more and more that everybody sees seems a hair immature, right? Yeah. A hair, and and I and I've always attributed that to we're tired, you know, like all the things, like yeah. all yeah. of the stress that that all families are under. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so it had seemed to me that things seem to be a little bit slow currently. Whether I'm dealing with a college student, God bless them, I love them they keep me young and on my toes or whether I'm dealing um, with a family with younger kids. And, and I, I for sure have seen the same thing in my practice that the older kids are slower. It doesn't feel like they have the maturity that I've worked with in earlier generations. I also feel like I have to teach them more about symbolic play uh, they don't know how to generate their own ideas when they're doing imagination stuff. They they and and when they do, it's oftentimes so formulaic, depending on and dependent on video games, versus earlier generations that you still you still borrow a great deal from books and from movies and stuff like that in earlier generations. But it was it was there was there's more sophistication to those things whereas the video games are pretty formulaic and when you're learning sequence from a video game it's not as rich it's not as nuanced you don't understand as much about how the world works um so i i kind of blame video games to a certain extent i uh and i also blame not having hands-on and messy in the real world play. Right. Well, the other thing is, is I also think too, is, is that the, the millennial generation having had everything so sort of given to them, um, that their stresses were very different and epigenetics, I believe is the term I'm looking for, would say that some of these stresses that happen are passed cellularly between generations. And so what I'm thinking is that since the millennials or the generation of new parents now were under very different stresses and very different experiences and much less freedom to build that confidence that comes from doing stuff and making mistakes that um, that's going to be passed on to their kids. And so therefore, since they didn't have those challenges that forced sort of that self-confidence and a little bit mature and maturity, nor did they have the same kind of physical thing. It's really interesting to take a look at kids, pictures of kids who were 12 and 13 in the fifties and kids who are 12 and 13 today, muscle tone, completely different, much more muscular formed bodies on kids in the fifties and sixties than the kids today. And I can't help but think that that's gotta be, if you have a more muscular formed body, you can do more, builds more confidence you know, in, in some ways, um, perhaps it's a bit more maturing too. If you have a softer body, that's not as formed, it's not as muscular. You don't do as much with, is that a form of immaturity as well? I can't help but think these things all interplay into producing a different sort of generation than we have seen in the past. I I agree. And another element I think is, uh, the, it's not necessary for survival for kids to participate in fam- the family economics. It's not necessary for kids, for, for the survival of family, for kids to do chores. Um, 
it's just kind of an add-on. Whereas, you know, I think, and it wasn't necessary in our generation either. I think you have to go back probably two or three generations before us to, to look at the time when it still was necessary for kids to be part of the economic engine of the family. And economics meaning in a larger sense, not just bringing in money, but, but, but doing the tasks of life that um, keep the, the, the household going. Uh, that's very rare now for it in, 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 in America. And I, the, the, so I will say lots, I'm seeing lots of families that are moving grandma in and grandpa yeah. in. Uh-huh. And I do see that that is changing, right? That there, that, cool. that, that this idea of, we don't like trying to either help people to age in place or, mm-hmm to move mom in with us so yeah. that we can handle some of that stress. Um, I do see that that's changing it a little bit. And that's a positive change to me. I think that, that, that it depends on your mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very true. That's very true. But um, I guess what I'm seeing is then you need more, more hands on deck you need more people in in the mix of doing things because uh, I mean, sometimes the, the, the grandma is taking care of the little ones. Sometimes the older ones are taking care of grandma. Um, but there's more responsibility being spread. Well, I, I think it builds more empathy. Yes. Oh sometimes yeah. Grandma's taking care of the dog. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you have dogs who have been, you know, it's not that the family doesn't love yeah. the dog, but everybody's gone. And grandma moves in and suddenly the dog has someone who is it can interact with and there can be a rise in behavior problems because the dog hasn't been trained because it's been crated all day. And uh, but that's a positive thing for the dog that suddenly the dog becomes more social and more interactive with the family and has a chance to learn some of those things that it needs to learn. So um, I think there can be some real right. Tina depends on on the grandma, but uh, it can can be really positive. (laughs) I always find myself having to say to parents, you're doing way better than you think you are. Like you're yes. better, like you're really good at this. Yes. Yeah. But that when we're coaching, when we're giving you ideas, it's just ideas. It's kind of like your lasagna is amazing. What would more basil do? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes right. Or what like would take care of you better do? Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because, so. yeah, I think they get turned down a lot. So you can see, Tina, Sarah and I have had this these kinds of discussions for years. Discussions are important. Yeah. Because parents, my experience is parents view it as two different things. Like, this is how I parent, and then there's the damn dog. And I'm like, right. it's the same set of skills, y'all. Like, it's the I mean, yes, it's a different species, and some of the signaling is different, but a bunch of the signaling is the same. And, you know, and there's different signaling between children. My granddaughter Sophie right. signals completely different than her brother Henry. You know, and then Gracie is in her own league, um, you know, of signaling. So, yeah, it's just a... So, yeah, so, I mean, I... I spend a lot of time saying to, I, usually I'm talking to moms, like sometimes I'm talking to dads, but most of the time I'm talking to moms and 
I use a ton of kid examples. I use a ton of, okay, so do you remember when you were going through this with your kids? And they were like, yes. Or when I, or I say my experience is every single parent, although maybe not you, cause you're probably better at it than I was, mm-hmm. um, has had that moment where you're mad as a hornet at your child and then it washes over you that they're tired and that that's kind of sort of your fault. Yeah. <laughs> so like exactly the same thing happens with the dog, right? Like the dog is being a turd and I go, oh, you, we were home for three days. Right. You're used to everybody being at school and at work and letting you sleep on Monday. Right. Right. So I love that you came on today. I'm kind of, I'm thinking your parents did a pretty damn awesome job creating so many fabulous humans. They, they had, they were, see, this is the deal. They were flawed. They were totally flawed. And we, you know, and simultaneously they were good enough and that's the other thing they were good enough they gave us safety they gave us um space to explore uh and um and a curiosity about the world and and that's good enough yeah and honestly so my family kind of the the opposite spectacularly Mm -hmm. unsafe right Mm -hmm. Um, not safe to make mistakes Right. Um, and yet I learned what not to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, so even, even in their own, um, in their own way, I am of course grateful because right. I learned another way. Yeah. And, and they had to have done enough for you to have resilience to find that other way. I went and looked for it, but yeah. 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 Yeah, that was okay. Like I knew what I didn't want to do. I knew right. how I didn't want a child to feel growing up. So, yeah, you know, for a long time that meant I'm not doing that because you know I'm huh. from that I'm from that generation that Oprah had convinced us all that if bad things had happened to you, you were going to automatically be an abuser, and got to learn that that's a choice. Right. Which right. was incredibly empowering to my foster children. Because I could say, you're not broken. You have choices. Like, we all have choices. Yeah. Which was huge. 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 Yeah. To go, there are no bad babies. Yeah. So, I love that you were on the call. And we should totally have you back. I would love to come back. As you do your research. Yes. Yes. Yeah, right. Because I'm crazy curious. Um, I'm seeing, like, I don't know, like, no critical thinking, no tolerance for frustration. Like I talk about the marshmallow experiment all day, every day. Yeah. Yeah. Forward and backward. Um, and that, and that, um, the, they're doing it with the dogs too. Like they know how to keep them busy. They Mm -hmm. don't know how to just let them, like there's all this, like we, we must, I must, in order to be a good dog, you know, good dog owner, run my dog for 40 minutes a day. And I'm like, okay, no, like your dog's afraid of the whole world. Stop doing that. Yeah. That's yeah. just torture. Yeah. So, so a lot of 
what everybody would like to say is here are the cold hard, like you must do this enrichment. I'm like, for some dogs, that enrichment is just pressure. Oh, and like for Zuzu, you know, people say you should freeze the Kongs. I'm like, no, if I freeze the Kongs, Zuzu will go, I can't do it. It's too hard. But, you know, it's really, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. And, and, you know, it, it turns, I can't. And it's like, so why would I do that to her? So I had that dog, not Zuzu, obviously. (laughs) And what I did was froze stuff so that there was a fuse. Okay. Oh. So that's do right. you so as you worked on fuse the exterior, and then oh, so it was really rewarding and fun, and that felt really really good. And I actually used like how I would do it with kids. I was like, okay, so if I have a child who hits this moment where yeah. they go, I can't. How would I float them through that? Right. Well, I would build confidence, and then go. Oh, now we're going to make it a little bit different. How do we make it a little bit different? Like, oh, look at that. That was so awesome. And I used softly frozen plain Greek yogurt. So it was kind of like froyo. So it was squishy and soft. Right. And I, I was thinking if I and if I got like a long pretzel rod or some long stick coming out, so she's working down. By the time she gets down to it, if it's something like yogurt, it's going to have unthawed un- pretty quickly. Yeah. So I did. I think I did bully sticks mm-hmm. once. I did those fishy fish fish, the the catfish skin that's dried. Um, we've done carrots. Yes, I've done I've done I've made popsicles for my dogs where I put I have a little popsicle mold and I put like beef stock or and vegetables and then a carrot sticking out the top and I give that to them in the summer and then it because I can pull it out of the mold right. So it's not like I have to dig this cold thing out. I have this thing. And so we, we chew it and then we bat it around and we play with it. I've got a couple of great videos of, of bear batting one. And I give him a whole bowl of ice cubes and the ice cubes go shooting off the deck this way and that way and, and stuff. So, yeah, there's ways to do it. It's just, you know, Zuzu has and, enough. And maybe you don't want to. Right. Well, Zuzu has enough right. time in I, life that it's like, I life is kind of hard me. So Why? okay so 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 jack is funny right so my youngest pot cat pot cake anytime well not so much anymore but when we first got him any food enrichment kind of stuff he would just make this face and go why are we making dinner hard Mm. and so (laughs) that was the moment for me when i realized like when a dog has high anxiety like when a child has high anxiety play isn't even really on the radar like the whole like we're gonna play they're like that just sounds like a ton of pressure and so i had to learn how to go which hand do you think it's in this one you're so smart right and like how what if i just throw a handful of kibble into your crate what if we throw it in the grass what if i throw it in a cookie sheet and to kind of make it as soft and squishy and not threatening, like almost like we're, lots of peekaboo, <laughs> right? Yay, cheese! Right, right. It's, right. it's exactly the same with kids. You, you, yeah, yeah, it's that. Yeah, I mean, I had kids that if you went here, do a puzzle, they went, oh, no. Right. We're all going to die. It's a dirty trick. Yeah. So, yeah. This. I don't trust this thing. And so a lot of times, yeah, it's, I'll sit down, let's do a puzzle together. 
is an amazingly different thing than yes. to do it. Yeah, some of my kids, if it had been, let's do a puzzle together, that would have been too much. Yeah, too much. It's funny. It's grading, it's grading, it's grading back down to where it works that you can do something together. Right. Well, could it it be too that that you are doing the puzzle and you wait for the kid to come over and say, What you doing? Say, I'm doing a puzzle. Can you put that piece in there for me? So I used to start it with like, you know, like we're talking about some horrible, abusive thing that's going on in their world because that's how they do it. Right. And then I'm like, hey, do you see a green one over there? Right. Like it's this really soft float in. Right. Where if you don't find it like, oh, oh, I wonder if that's the one. Do you think that's the one? What makes us think maybe that's the one? Like so that it was so soft that. Yes. That I could eventually go, you know what? I have to go start dinner. Do you want to keep working on that? And I'll come and help in between, right? And before they knew it, I mean, I had kids that, like, coloring. Oh, yeah. Coloring was too much pressure. But we do do write on the slate of who they become, and we don't think about it. Oh, yeah. We do. We do. And, and, And those kinds of crushing moments can come so easily, even with valiant effort. I was consulting in a school in a kindergarten one time and it was Thanksgiving and the children were coloring in turkeys and the little boy that I was going to work with chose to make a purple turkey and the teacher held the purple turkey up as an example and she said children are turkeys purple no they're not purple what color are turkeys turkeys are brown that's right. I want brown cooked turkeys, you know, and it was like, and I'm going, oh my God. And I, now, now I, right. I have to come and take this child and pick up the pieces after you. And it's like, what am but I going to do? There was a pink turkey in her past. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is a true story from one of my foster kids, and then I'll let you go. So I had a sibling group of three a 10-year-old little girl, a 9-year-old little girl, and a 7-year-old little boy, crazy levels of abuse and neglect in their background, even in an adoptive placement before they came to me. Like, they had been in and out of foster care their whole lives. Um, And so, you know, you're triaging. You start with just triage. Like, where are we? I'm, of course, as foster parent, taking reports of everything those kids are telling me. I'm keeping a diary. I'm giving information to investigators. I have that stuff to do without prying, just recording what they're talking about and just triage, right? So Gregory, whenever you introduced him to someone would say, literally, this is how he would introduce, he'd shake your hand and he'd go, hi, I'm Gregory. I'm a bad baby. (gasps) And I was always like, Okay, so that's something that goes on the list. So I think he had been with us three or four weeks, was doing pretty well in school, was eating, was sleeping, medical stuff was starting to get cleared up, like we were making some progress. And Ms. Green, his kindergarten teacher, was going to have foot surgery. (laughs) And so she was going to have a sub in. And so she was really smart and had the sub come like the week before so that we're transitioning these little kids. 
And I just happened to be there having a horrible school lunch with Greg on the day that the this new teacher is going to come and take over through, you know, for the next few yeah. months or whatever. And so he does it, right? So I'm like, hi, I'm, I'm Tina Spring. This is my son, Greg. And he's like, hi, I'm Greg. I'm a bad baby. And this brand new teacher is like, like it was like somebody stopped the video yeah. and I just smiled and turned to Miss Green and said, so out of curiosity, is there anything that if Greg misses it this afternoon, it's going to keep him out of college? And she said, no. And I said, okay, he has a dentist appointment. <laughs> she's like, okay. And so, and, and, I, and she's like, I know she's going to like float this other teacher back in in a moment. So yeah. I sign Greg out and we go home and we grab a step stool and we go to McDonald's and get those horrible little Sundays. And we go to the NICU unit, right? To the baby aquarium, as he liked to call it. And so I put, he was tiny. So I put the step stool down. I set him on the step stool so he can look at the babies. He has his ice cream. I have mine. We're doing that intentionally, right? Sugar is love. And we're looking at the babies. And so we're joking around because I'm me. So I'm like, ooh, that one looks like a little purple lizard. And ooh, that one doesn't have a name yet. Like we're marveling about all the babies. And then I said, hey, do you want to do me? Do you want to help me? And he's like, sure. And because he's seven. So the answer is always yes. And I'm like, great. Before we leave, can you point out to me who the bad babies are so I can tell the nurses so that the nurses can warn the mommies and the daddies? And he goes, sure. And he's eating. And he's eating. And I'm finishing up my ice cream because I like ice cream. And so I'm like, hey, hurry up, right? We're going to have to go get your sisters soon. And he's looking and he's looking and he hands me his ice cream. And now I've got the little turd on the run. And he's looking and he turns and he looks at me with these big crocodile tears in his eyes. And he says, but there aren't any bad babies. And I said, Gregory, that is my favorite thing about you. How smart you are. You're absolutely right. There are no bad babies. You're not a bad baby. Your sisters aren't bad babies. There are no bad babies. I said, there are sometimes, though, really, really broken grown-ups. And he went, like a seven-year-old does, he went, okay. And he took his ice cream back, <laughs> right? He finishes his ice cream, like you do. And as we're walking out, and this is the first time it had ever been said to me, he stops and he looks at me and he says, would it be okay if I call you mama? And I said, that would be just fine. And from that day forward, do you know that little turkey, my little purple turkey, would, um, whenever you introduced him, he would say, hi, I'm Greg. I'm a good baby. Oh. And I thought to myself that those, those are the stories that foster parents and, and more traditional parents need to hear. That it's not about that you give them only organic carrots or that they get A's on all of their tests, or that their baseball team is undefeated. It is about, do we change when the child adopts some information that changes who they are, that we just help them on their own adjust that 
sale just a little bit so that whatever bull some adult poured into that kid, he can just fix it himself. Right. Like question what that broken grown up told you. If somebody had done that for me, I, I, I can't even imagine what I would have been able to accomplish. Absolutely. Wow. Tina, that's a wonderful story. We're going to have to include that one. Yeah. Cause I think that's a, I think that's a summation of everything we've been talking about. It's the whole yeah, idea that, really- that, yeah. And that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And, um, you know what? It does one of those moments where I said, I'm okay at this. Well, you know, like, Tina, I, I am not, say, I am not my parents. Right. Well, what I was going to say is you don't need any letters behind your name because you are one of the most no. amazing people I have ever met. And, and the way in no, which you, you do this kind of stuff, I don't care. The only letters I think you need behind your name are L-O-V-E. Hmm. And fortunately for all of us, that's free. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. I'm going to start most crying. One of things I learned as an adult is that there's nothing I can do that makes God love me more. And there's nothing I can do to make him love me less. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Tina, this that, has been great. That truly is a gift. It is. Okay. So, Sarah, come back and visit us again. I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah. And, and I actually would like us to do one that's from the dad perspective. Oh, yes. That would right? be great. Because I think we do. I find myself constantly going moms, moms, moms. And it's because that was my perspective. Yeah. But, like, what does this look for for dad? What does this look like for dads? What are things dads can do to foster great developmental um and like um, cooperative play between that, that still meets all the, we're going to do rough and tumble boy yeah. thing and responsible protective boy things with the dog. Yes. It's all about go, so. go, 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 go. And I'm like, okay, the rest is really important. That quiet, you know what? My kids never, ever told me big, dark, serious, real stuff. The shit that scares the hell out of them. Yeah. They never told me when we were busy. They no, always no. told me in those quiet moments. That's right. No. That's right. Yeah. All the real yeah. stuff is in yeah. the quiet. You know, and, and my, me too. Me too with my kid. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And with, with my kids too, especially my older daughter, we had, it, it didn't come out right away. Like she was bullied at school. It didn't come out when I was picking her up. It came out later in the afternoon and she was had a snack and had a chance to decompress. And we talked about it. And like two, three hours later, she tells me. Well, and I see that those kids that are bullied are coming home and bullying the dog. And I see that presenting over and over and over and over and over. And so when I'm getting a mom who's like, my dog keeps growling at my children. Yes, we're going to assess, do we have a dog who's hypersensitive? But it often, I find, if we find that the dog is actually pretty resilient and patient, we start looking at that opposite side of, like, so how are things at school? Right. 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 How, how, how is their, how's your, how's your kiddo's play style when they're playing with other kids? Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they, that's, that's such a classic and it's, and it, and it plays out all the time. And yeah. they're like, I'm not talking about my kid. And I'm like, okay, I, I get it. But the, it, all of the pieces fit together, right? Me, like we so. can't get the dog to do what you're, what you have going on. So we have to just pull the pieces apart. The family is an ecosystem mm-hmm. and you can't treat one part of it without treating the whole. 
Absolutely. Right. right. Yeah. Well, I think you're both smart and pretty. Well, and I'm, I was excited to learn that like my makeshift version of like how to start teasing this apart for families was a good one. It's right? absolutely. That, that I can go. That's hey, excellent. Because I'm like, I, so I can remember when I started. It's a saleable blueprint, Tina. It is a blueprint that is, uh, you know, it, you should hold on to that and make it part of your trademark. This is an important kind of thing that you're doing. So I feel like I don't know enough about child development, right? Well, like, see, okay, yeah. Well, and and there, so so there, there's an interesting piece of that is I do know enough about child development, but I don't know enough about dog training. But um, there's a richness in terms of the three of us and what could we generate with that. So absolutely. Maybe we have a project to do. Maybe we do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, yeah. right back at you, Tina. And thank you, Sarah, for joining us on your family dog. We hope you enjoyed this episode, this two part episode and happy mother's day to all of you out there. Enjoy your kids and your dogs. Thanks. Thanks for listening to your family dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.